we have been talking about coming after Jesus. Coming after Jesus. You should know by now in Luke 9.23, Jesus said, If anyone were to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I'm assuming that since you've come back this week, that many of you are ready to continue pursuing coming after Jesus this morning. Where have we been thus far? If you're visiting with us this morning, where have we been thus far? Last week, we acknowledged that God kind of, He changed things on me last week, and we acknowledged uh, that Jesus is indeed coming back again. Amen? Amen. He is indeed coming back again. On that note, let me just make one little announcement here. Been trying to determine what exactly we're going to go into next. We're nearing the end of our James study. Of course, we've been saying that for a little while now. For those of you who have been in that study, you know what that's like. But we are on the last chapter. And in a couple of weeks when that ends, we're going to go into an end time study. Okay, so um, if you're curious about end times and what the Church of God believes about end times, we encourage all of you, as many of you, to come out for that study. Uh, Frida Schutt had a good idea. She says, why don't you have the people uh, text you or email you uh, if they have questions or if there is something specific that they would like to know about end times. Um, submit them to me and I'll incorporate that into our study. So just a, a, a quick commercial for that. So that will be coming in a couple of weeks on Wednesday evening. But we talked last week that Jesus is indeed coming back again. And based on God's word, not what Pastor Brock says, but based on what God's word says, Jesus' return will be as sudden as a thief in the night. That's what it tells us in Peter and it tells us in Thessalonians. It also tells us that he's coming back when we least expect him to come back. Corinthians tells us that it will be in the twinkling of an eye. I had you last week, we all blinked at the same time, and that's how fast the second coming of Jesus Christ will be. And based on this thought, 2 Peter 3 tells us, knowing that Jesus Christ will indeed be coming back again, it tells us what manner of people, what manner of persons ought you and I to be when He comes back. What kind of lives are we to be living when Jesus splits those eastern skies? What a thought. Have, have you ever really, and I hope you thought about it since last week, Last night we were over at Chuck and Mertz visiting with them and we had this discussion and the thought of when Jesus splits the eastern skies and when the twinkling of an eye, he's going to be there. Have you thought about what that moment's going to be like? If you haven't, I would advise you to do so. Because as you go down that line of progression, as you realize, it says in Thessalonians, it says, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And it says, there will be no escape. And just like that, when he splits the skies, our eternal destinations, our eternal destinies are sealed for forever. And the more you talk about it, the more you think about it, it makes you just say, all right, just let me... Let me cozy up to Jesus just a little bit closer. Let me make sure that I am coming after Him. 
And I pray that's what you're pursuing this morning. You're coming after Him. Because when He comes back, we are to be people of faith. True, unadulterated faith and trust in Him. Or will we simply be those who have a form of godliness, but lacking the power thereof, as God's Word tells us some will be found? This is a serious question. Listen, Jesus said in Luke 18.8, He said, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He really find faith on the earth? That's what it says. He is coming back for those, as we talked about last week, who are the bride. The bride of Christ. The bride who has been faithful and true, pure and holy, blameless without spot or wrinkle. God's Word told us last week that in this time, while we're waiting, we are to be watchful. We are to be alert. We are to put on the breastplate of faith and love, the helmet of salvation every day. Many of you get up every day, you put on clothes to go to work, or maybe you put on a uniform to go to work every day. Every day, you and I are to put on that breastplate of righteousness, that breastplate of faith and love in Jesus Christ, the helmet of salvation. We are to be sanctified holy, blameless without spot or wrinkle, steadfast, immovable. What are you going through right now that is shaking the foundations of your world? Be immovable in Jesus Christ. And I keep losing the back of my clicker here. That's all right. We are to be people who never stop working for Jesus Christ, knowing that our labor will not be in vain. Do you ever get weary and tired? Let me see a hand and say somebody say amen to that. If you get weary and tired, I, I said this Wednesday night, one of my heroes in the faith, Harold Lohman, evangelist, no longer with us, he's with the Lord, but he said, sometimes we will grow tired and weary in the way, but may we never grow tired and weary of the way. Got that? Sometimes we grow tired and weary in the way, but may we never grow tired and weary of the way. And the question that I posed to you last Sunday, and I pray you've been thinking about it, is are you ready? Are you ready when those eastern skies do split? Are you going to be a part of the bride who has made herself ready? Or are you not? We ended by saying the only way that you and I will be ready for His return is if we come after Jesus, if we pursue Him how do we do this? How do we come after Jesus? Well, two weeks ago, we began this. Um, this morning, uh, uh, Brian always asked me what the title is. And uh, um, a couple weeks ago, um, I said it was going to be like a three-part series. And he said, this morning, what is it? I said, it's come after part four. He said, I thought there was going to be three parts. I said, you know how that works. I don't know. I'm assuming last week might, next week might be the next message or last message. I don't know. But two weeks ago, we began exploring this, how can we come after Him? First, we said that we need to have a love that is completely sincere. If you look at, um, look at Luke 9, 23, it says, Jesus said, anyone who were to come after me, let him deny himself. It starts by denying oneself. Man, that's hard. 
But we talked about that. Having a love for God that is completely sincere. Then we talked about avoiding that which is evil and clinging to that which is good. That is a daily struggle, is it not? We are bombarded. We talked about this world as like a tornado and all the immorality and all the temptations just swirling around us. And we need to avoid that. We need to separate ourselves from those actions, those thoughts that are evil and cling to that which is good. And then we talked about we can come after Jesus by how we love one another. The fourth way this morning that we can come after Jesus, going to sound simple, is to serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Now, it would be easy for for me to just say at this point in time, how are you serving God? God has given all of us talents and abilities and uh, all of that, and how are you serving the Lord in His church? And if you're not, I encourage you, I implore you to do that. It would be easy for me just to kind of say those words this morning, but instead I'm going to look at this from an angle that is a little bit different. I want to briefly look at this as not just serve the Lord, but serve the time. Serve the time. When you begin to look at the word time, it takes on a completely new meaning, does it not? Time, it's, it's one of the uh, things that is guaranteed to no one, yet without it we can do nothing. Say that again. Time is one thing no one is guaranteed, yet without it we can do nothing. Here and now, and what we do with it is all that we really have, church. It's all that we really have. Back in 1973, there was a guy named Gary Kildall. He wrote the first popular operating system for computers back in 1973. In 1980, mega technology company IBM asked Gary to create the first operating software for their IBM company. According to a source named Paul Carroll, Gary apparently snubbed the IBM technology company at a very crucial meeting and he decided to go fly his private jet instead. The frustrated IBM executives then turned to another man who had started his own small business software company. He had created something called MS-DOS. That man was Bill Gates. Today, Bill Gates, because of that formation with IBM, Bill Gates is worth $84.5 billion. I said a B, billion dollars. How do you think Gary Kildall feels today? <laughs> you know, there are three things that um, are said to have never, that are never able to come back. Three things that never come back. An arrow in flight, a spoken word, or a missed opportunity. Think about that. An arrow in flight, a spoken word, and a missed opportunity. Serve the time. Serve the time. Every day you and I are presented, church, with opportunities. Opportunities to learn something new, remove something harmful in our lives, Begin something beneficial in our lives. Speak a word of encouragement. Help someone to serve someone. 
One of the worst tragedies in life is that we often fail to grasp these opportunities when they come. And most of the time, these tragedies, these missed opportunities involve relationships. If I can just be a little personal with you this morning, every once in a while, I'll ask myself, have I spent enough time with my kids? In my eyes, Jess should still be 14, 15, 16 years of age. And here she is, married and a mother of two. Parker just turned 19 about a week ago. Jenna, for crying out loud, she's driving now. Crazy. Crazy. And those of us who are parents, at some point in time you realize that God has just merely loaned our kids to us. Right? Serve the time. Serve the time. This point becomes vividly clear to me. Jenna is always wanting to pull out the home movies and watch the home movies. I don't know why, but Stephanie and I never want to do that. You know why? Because we'll just sit there and bawl. We'll just sit there and cry. Some of you know what that's like. You just sit there and you realize, where has the time gone? Where has the time gone? Time is fleeting. We do not have forever with our kids. And we need to make the most of our time. And if I may say again on a personal note, it used to be the prevailing thought, the prevailing attitude that a pastor's main job was to serve the Lord and those within the church. However, I believe that if there have been too many pastors have given themselves solely to the Lord and the church while they lose their families in the process. Too many pastors' wives have gotten lost in the shuffle and are left feeling alone and desolate. I've talked to too many PKs. I've talked to too many pastors' kids that have more negative things to say about dad in the ministry. I don't believe that God has called men and women to serve him and the church, but yet lose their families in the process. I know there have been times when I have failed, but I've always tried to put my, my family first, obviously with Lord being first, but I've always tried to give my family priority that's why I can't go to every church function or every church meeting or every church gathering. I've taken my kids to way too many calling hours. <laughs> I've taken my kids to many, many hospitals. You see, one day I'm not going to have a church to pastor anymore. But I'm going to have a family. And how I put priority on my family will determine the kind of family that I have later on down the road. You see, coming after Jesus very well may mean serve the time well with your family. I'm not just talking to myself here, but maybe some of you need to put more priority into your family as well. Maybe that's how God is speaking to you. Maybe it means totally something else for you this morning. Notice that the category of this, uh, uh, number four says, serve the Lord. Serving the Lord. The word Lord in the Greek 
is the word curios, and this is what it means, the authority of a master over their servant. The authority of a master over their servant. This denotes that someone has supreme authority over someone else, the kind of authority that a master has over their servant. But the difference here is that we determine who is going to be Lord and master of our life. Let me remind you that when you accepted Jesus Christ, you made that decision. See, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth, say it with me, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead, then you will be saved. You see, when you accepted Christ, you declared him as Lord. You declared him as master of your life. The question is, will you and I keep him there, or will we, we replace him with self? Serving the Lord may mean different things at different times in our lives. It may mean loving and serving our spouses like never before. See, it's not, see serving the Lord isn't just the work of the church or the work of uh, ministry. Serving the Lord is... When he tells you to do something, you do it because he's your Lord and he's your master. So he may be telling some of you this morning, you know what, you need to treat your spouses better. You need to develop a better relationship with your children. Serving the Lord may be developing new relationships. It could be having a conversation that is long overdue with someone. Perhaps it's finally getting involved in working in the walls of the church. Maybe it's time that maybe some of you this morning, you never felt it before, but this morning when Lisa got up and talked about the mission trip, maybe you just felt something hit you right here. That's the Lord. That served the Lord. You might not have another opportunity to go to Dilcon. This might be your year. This might be your time. Or as I said, maybe God is placing it on your heart to serve Him in other ways. It all comes down to church coming after Jesus. Pursuing Jesus. And I think that every single one of us here this morning would have to say we've missed opportunities in our life. Raise your hand if that's you. Every hand should be up. Every hand should be up. We've all missed opportunities within our life. But be it time, talents, or just the willingness to help, How is God telling you this morning to come after him by serving him? That's number four. Number five. We can come after Jesus by being people of passion. We can come after Jesus by being people of passion. Boy, this is going to step on all of our toes this morning. You see, all of us, every single one of us in here this morning, we are all passionate, right? We're passionate about something. The question is, what is it? I read an article the other day about this guy who was going to auction off the cars that he had. 700 cars. Seven. I thought to myself, who on earth has the money and the time to even have 700 cars? 
Apparently this man did. And I thought to myself, he was passionate about his car. I don't know if he was, well, I'm assuming he was still alive. I guess it could have been his family that auctioned off the cars. And then I thought of the verse, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. For moth and rust can destroy and thieves can break in and steal. Hmm. You see, I believe that there needs to be an intensity to the Christian life. It's one of the things I love about this brother right over here. Dave Dave Burrell. He's passionate about his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There needs to be an intensity. There needs to be a passion about our Christian life. Amen? There is no room for lethargy in this Christian life. Our time is short and our entire life is a preparation for eternity. I had lunch with Steve Schneider this past week, or breakfast with Steve this past week. And those of you who have been around Steve for very long, you know that God has radically changed his life. And uh, he is being used, he and Katrina are being used mightily out in Kansas City. And and within the the mission uh, uh, that they have there, uh, Steve is working with some rough individuals, which is why he's there. But one of the things that Steve said to me is he said, as I'm working with these rough individuals, he said, one time I told one of them, he said, look, I can joke around and I can have fun and, you know, just, just like the next person. But he said, I don't joke around with my Jesus. He said, that's one thing that I don't mess with. He said, because the time is short. We have no time to mess around with our Lord. Steve's intense for Jesus. You can see it in his eyes. You can hear it in his voice. You can see it reflected in his life. He spent many years of his life in the academic world and a lot of pride there, he would tell you. But God humbled him and has given him a new life in Jesus Christ. And he wants to redeem the time. He wants to serve the time. And you can see that in his passion. Now, those of you who know me, you know I'm a big Buckeye fan. Uh, I think of another person, maybe not so much on the Spiritual side, but I think of this guy right here. Yeah? All right. Urban Meyer is known for his fiery disposition and his fiery rhetoric. I've heard him say that he wants his players to play like their hair is on fire. Right, Ryan? You've heard that? He wants his coaches to play like their hair is on fire. He also said that if he has a player that does not hate to lose as much as he hates to lose, he doesn't want him on his team. You see, for Urban Meyer, it's 100%, 110%, or it's nothing at all. In church, I think of these images and I'm thinking, man, this is how we should be for Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that everyone has to have his disposition or his personality. But we can all be just as committed. We all can be just as dedicated. We all need to be passionate about what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. Charles Spurgeon, the great 18th century or 19th century evangelist, he said this. He said, if you are not seeking the Lord, then the devil is seeking you. And if you are not seeking the Lord, judgment is at your heels. 
You know, when I read that, I thought, you know what, I can just replace our two words, coming after Jesus, or three words, coming after Jesus. And it would read like this, if you are not coming after the Lord, then the devil is coming after you. And if you are not coming after the Lord, then judgment is at your heel. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It also tells us in God's Word, Let us so run in a way that we will win the prize. No one enters a race just to see if they can finish second. Right? Everyone who enters a race wants to finish first. You're going to pour everything you have into it to go across the finish line first place. I have a video that I want to show you. It's about five, six minutes long. And, and it's about a worship team that is going to be singing a song, but I don't want you to so much focus on the team on stage. I want you to focus on the individuals that are out on the stage. When it comes to passion, just look at this. Are we on, Brian? All right.
Somebody say amen. amen. You see, I didn't show you that to say that I want you to sing like that or I want you to worship like that. Folks, it's not about the music. It's not about the style of music. I, I'm not worried about the style of music there. It's about what Jesus has done in your heart. It's about having a passion for Jesus Christ. Again, I'm not saying that you have to run up and down the aisles, although I wouldn't mind seeing that on occasion. I'm not saying that you have to do exactly what they're saying, but my point is to be passionate for Jesus. Coming after Jesus with all of who you are. Some of you need to let go. Oh, but pastor, we don't want to be known as one of those Pentecostal holy roller... The Holy Spirit will tell you what to do and what not to do. He's the one that will regulate you in your worship. Now, yes, our passion needs to come out sometime on Sunday mornings. It it needs to come out in our worship when we're at home by ourselves. But my point is being passionate. Being passionate. You can't be passionate if you don't come after Him. Let this speak to you, however God puts us on your heart. And I echo the words that Steve Schneider said. When it comes to Jesus, there's no time to mess around. There's no time to play games. Serve the time. I end with this this morning. Some of you have heard this. Some of you have seen it. Every morning, a gazelle wakes up knowing that it has to run faster than the fastest lion or it will not survive. The very same morning, every morning, a lion wakes up knowing that it has to run faster than the slowest gazelle or it won't survive. The moral of the story, whether you're a lion or a gazelle, you better wake up running. Wake up running. doesn't matter what those around you are doing. I can't rely upon Stephanie to have a passion for Jesus Christ. It's got to be my own and vice versa. My kids can't have the relationship that their dad has. Just because I'm a preacher doesn't doesn't filter down to them. You guys got to have your own passion for Jesus. You have to have your own passion for Jesus. If anyone were to come after me, would you bow your heads, please? Mandy, come on up. I don't know what you've picked. Again, don't misunderstand me, folks. I'm not trying to say you have to be like so-and-so. I just want you to be what Jesus wants you to be. Lord, this morning, may we come after you. That is a personal, individual, one-on-one decision. 
Lord, there are those in this room that we can look at and we can look at their lives. And Lord, we believe they're passionate for you and we thank you for those individuals. And God, I say to them, continue, keep pressing on. But Lord, for others that know that it's not really that way in their life, God, I pray this morning they will make a decision. Whether it be at the altars or whether it be in their pews or wherever they're sitting, help them to make that decision that they're tired of life as it's been. They don't want to just go through the motions anymore. Oh, there's joy for a season and serving self and working and saving and planning for retirement and waiting for the weekend to come so we can have our time. And after a while, that just is no longer fulfilling. Lord, there's someone here this morning that I believe their heart is crying out for more of you. May they pursue you. May all of us pursue you in ways that we've never pursued you before. God, I thank you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here this morning and that you are dealing with us. You love us, God. There's someone here this morning who all they need to hear from you is for you to say, I love you. I love you. I've loved you from the start. I've loved you from the beginning. I know what you've been through. I know what abuses you've experienced. But I'm here to tell you this morning, I love you. Thank you, God. For others, you're saying, come. Come. Come follow me. Come after me in a way that you never have before. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.